Welcome in everybody to this Tuesday edition. Hope you of SEC football and beyond. I am Chris Landry along with Neil McCready. I hope you all had a happy Memorial Day weekend. Always a, always like that uh, holiday, Neil. I, it's springy. It's a lot of stuff going on. I, I do partake, and you know, I, I, this time of year when I watch sports, I watch a little golf, watch the Indy 500. Which I have been to, by the way. I've never had. It's probably one of the more exciting sporting events. Definitely the loudest I've ever been to. But it's a good time of year. Got a little college baseball. We got a lot of football. That's what we talk mainly about. We're gonna we're gonna get into a lot of that. But I know there is a regional in your fair city, uh, and we've got nine SEC teams in college baseball. How was Memorial Day weekend for the McCready fan? Uh, the weekend was good. Uh, I'm trying to think what all we did. We um we're all here. Caroline got back from her senior trip on Saturday, and um, it was warm enough to get by the pool. The water's still pretty cold, but um, we hung out by the pool some, lit the grill a couple of times. We had a good time. had had a nice uh, had a nice time. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's college baseball season, as you know. It's the time that everybody turns their attention to it. Congratulations to Arkansas. They win the regular season title and the uh, SEC tournament title in baseball. And then, um, what, six SEC teams got regionals? Um, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Tennessee, all national top eight seeds. They all have regionals, of course. Ole Miss has a regional. South Carolina has a regional, albeit as a two seed because Old Dominion's the one. Uh, Alabama makes the tournament. They go to Ruston to uh, play in the Louisiana Tech Regional. LSU is in the regional, I believe, in Green, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so LSU uh, trying to send Paul Minority out on a on a high note. Um, and then it feels like I'm leaving somebody out that made it. Uh, I think you got um, all. Who did? Uh, I mean, yeah, you mentioned Florida. You mentioned Tennessee. I mean, uh, you mentioned Vanderbilt. You mentioned Ole Miss, of course. I didn't mention Alabama and Ruston. You mentioned that. Yeah, Alabama's and Ruston. The one I failed to mention was Florida. Florida. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Florida is hosting a regional at home against. Uh, I think Miami's in that regional. Uh, Michael Specs asked, is Swavy, has it been COVID-proof? I, we can only hope, Michael, uh, that all of these stadiums are going to be able to get certified in time where we can play the games. The NCAA is going through, I'm sure, a very rigorous theatrical COVID certification process of these stadiums that were just hosting games. So um, we can only hope that uh, this, this can be done with some degree of safety and caution. I don't understand the rush. I wish they could just wait two more weeks or two more months or two more decades and make sure that these stadiums are completely, totally safe. But Friday will come and we'll find out whether these baseball-loving heathens are doing the right thing. <laughs> well, we appreciate everybody. Michael, T. David, everybody joining us. Um, I hope you guys had a great Memorial Day um, holiday. We're going to talk a lot of get into college football and the NFL. I did want to um, get into uh, a couple of things. Um, don't know because I, 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 I keep my eye out on it and I was doing work and kept my eye on the, the SEC region. Kind of kept an eye out on what was going on nationally. Um, so I don't know this. I certainly haven't studied it. haven't watched them. 
Um, don't know that there are many teams better than Arkansas, at least. I, I'm curious to see who's better or who's playing better or who will play better uh, as we get into it. Certainly like their chances in, um, um, in the regional, but I'm curious to see where they go. Um, I don't know. I know you followed a little bit more, and in, in certainly from the SEC outward perspective, but nationally, looking at the teams, uh, Arkansas looks to be certainly one of the favorites, I would think, nationally. Yeah, Arkansas, is a, they're, they're an elite team. It's funny, um, I've watched them a good bit this year, obviously. You know, sometimes I'll watch them just for conversation pieces with Campbell, who's a finished the year up there. But they never, you never watch them and, and go, wow, they're, they're amazing. You, you never watch them and go, oh, they just, they just crush you or they just pitch you to death. They, there's, there's nothing that they do that just blows you away. But there's also nothing that they do where you go, oh, that's a weakness. They, they don't have a weakness. Uh, they do everything well. And all they do, Chris, is they just win. They, they just win. They, 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 they can beat you in any number of ways. Uh, they, are, they are the basketball team that can beat you in a high-scoring game and then turn around and, and, and beat you in a defensive game. They're the football team that can spread it out or run the power. Uh, and, and then they're, they're, if they're a football team, they're one of those teams, kind of early Nick Saban, really good on the line of scrimmage have weapons, take advantage, don't make mistakes. And when you make a mistake, they capitalize. They're just really good. Uh, they're, they're really good. They, they've got a, a dominant closer in Kevin Copps. When he comes in the games, people just don't hit him. They're pitching. They're starting rotations okay. Lineup is deep. It's talented. They can hit for power. They can, they can small ball you. They're a good defensive team. They're just, they're just really good. They're uh, – I think they went 25 and 8, including the tournament in the SEC. Anybody who's followed SEC baseball for any length of time, you don't you don't do that by accident. There's no fluky stuff there. They're legitimately good. Vanderbilt has the two big time arms and Rocker and Leiter. Um, Ole Miss has, has overachieved based on the injuries that they've had over the course of the season. They're 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 playing with part of the, the one of the probably their best overall power hitter playing with a torn ACL right now, having the DH still producing, had a couple of home runs in, in Hoover in one game. Uh, Mississippi State's got a really good team. Florida's got a super talented team, and they appear to be playing well as of late. Um, Alabama did a really good job overcoming a, a, an injury and, and still making the tournament. You're down there in, in Baton Rouge. It was a, it was a disappointing season for LSU, but they did kind of close strong to make the tournament. And South Carolina's got a nice team. They're not they're not the South Carolina team of the Ray Turner era, but they're good, and they'll get a regional at home where they're a pretty good team. So we'll see. But certainly, if you're asking who the best team in the league is, it's pretty obvious at this point that you have to love them or hate them. You've got to give that spot to Arkansas. They won the regular season title. They won the postseason title. They just win games. Yeah, you know, this year, just kind of keeping an eye on it, it, obviously they've been very, very good all year. The thing about it, though, and, and this is probably more of an indication, obviously, of just being a fan and not certainly not an expert on it, Arkansas is kind of like, okay, they're really good, but I wasn't quite sure that I, I don't think of Arkansas in that way. You think historically, well, Mississippi State and, and more recently LSU, you think Florida being really good, 
uh, in the modern era, you think the last couple of years, you think Vanderbilt, and you just got Arkansas that just kind of, people are just there. <laughs> you know, they're good, but they're nothing special. And yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they appear to have a really special team. Nine teams from the SEC, eight from the ACC, six from the Pac-12, four from the Big 12, four from Conference USA, three from the Big 10. Um, Two from the American Athletic and two from the Athletic Sun, Big South, Big West, Metro Atlantic, and Missouri Valley. So we'll uh, see it uh, all play out. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll keep my eye on it. I'll watch it a little bit of it. I, I don't sit there and watch it. And I'm, I have it on while I'm doing work. Uh, but uh, that's kind of a hey. So uh, a couple of things um, that, that would have mentioned. Yes, dead period. Grind says dead period is over. Yes, it is. We have turned to calendar to June first. The so dead period is officially over. A lot of folks having their barbecues. Um, Florida State even had midnight madness uh, for recruiting. Um, uh, go figure. Um, a lot of different ways that people. This is going to be a fun month for recruiting. A reminder. Um, We've got a lot of recruiting information, a lot of details over at LandryFootball.com of what's going on in recruiting. Um, you know, uh, the a couple of big news I want to get into. We can uh, uh, we can kind of hammer up a little bit, but uh, some big news around the country. I know that um, one of the things I wanted to talk about is Darian Kendrick. That I've been following it a lot. Uh, the kid who's really a five-star prospect in 2018 class out of Clemson. Uh, had some off-the-field issues, but has um, been the topic of a lot of intrigue in the transfer portal. Sounding more and more like George is where he's going to go. We're going to see how that plays out. Um, Eric Gilbert, uh, the family would like him to go back to LSU. Georgia, Tennessee is maybe more where he's leaning. We'll see how that goes. That'll go. Some other news, LSU gets a verbal. Georgia Tech gets a big-time verbal from a linebacker out of the state, which is good for them. Some Texas, some Iowa recruiting information. Ohio State and Penn State get some big-time uh, receiver commitments. Uh, Ole Miss getting uh, Marquez Dorch, a kid that uh, I like a lot. Really good athlete. Watched him on tape. Curious to see how they play him. And I tell you, as I'm doing, getting all the previews up to get ready to go up and doing the film work, um, you know, Braylon Sanders is a kid I'm excited about to see what they can do in that offense. Um, so I know obviously you're familiar with them, but Drummond, Jackson, Mingo, they've got some other guys there. But he kind of stands out to me when I study Ole Miss and I look at where this this offense may go. So just some of your thoughts on anything that I mentioned there. Well, you talk about Braylon Sanders. When he was healthy last season, he was super effective. Uh, He's, he's a guy that can take the top off the defense. You have to guard him. Um, he was very good, if you remember, in the LSU game. Elijah Moore didn't play. Uh, Kenny Yaboa didn't play. And uh, he suffered an ankle injury on a touchdown catch. Third quarter, I think, against LSU and, and uh, didn't, didn't play the rest of the season. But go back, and I'm sure you have, go back and look at that game where he's the primary target for Matt Corral. And um, he was dangerous. What I'm curious to see with Ole Miss over the course of the season, we didn't see any of it in the spring because he missed the spring with uh, shoulder surgery. I'm really curious to see how they use Jerry on Ely. Yeah. Because they have other backs. They're pretty deep at running back. I like Henry Parrish. Uh, I like Snoop Connor. They've got a, another uh, 
another young uh, running back, Kentrell Bullock, who looks very good in the spring from what I saw. And all, all we saw was Saturdays. But he looks really good in a couple of the Saturdays that I saw. So they've got some enough depth in the backfield where they could use Ely in a lot of different ways. There have been some rumblings here that – and let me make sure that I do this correctly so that people don't think that I'm making a comparison, okay? There's been some rumblings here that Lane Kiffin sees some elements in Jerry Ely that allow him to use him in the way that he used Reggie Bush at USC back in the day. Now, I'm not comparing Jerry Ely to Reggie Bush. Before anybody thinks that I'm saying he's Reggie Bush, I'm not. But he's versatile. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a speed guy. He can do a lot of different things. And kind of some of the rumblings out of there is that he thinks he could use him like that because he has other backs. If you remember at USC when they had Reggie Bush, they also had Lindell White, who could be mm-hmm. the guy, you know, could be the, the bell cow out of the backfield. And they, they think they could use Snoop Connor like that here. So I'm not comparing Snoop Connor to Lindell White. I'm just saying there are some similarities in the way that you can use people from a personnel standpoint. And if you if you told me that, hey, to get a kind of a glimpse as to what that offense is going to look like, what do you want to see? I'd say, let me show me kind of how they use Jerry Ely over the course of the season because I don't think they're going to use him just strictly as a traditional tailback. Yeah, I think it's important to understand, and we do this a lot in, in the scouting world, uh, but it, it applies, you know, certainly in coaching and how you use guys. Yeah, it, people tend to take the the comparisons literally, and it's just more stylistically how you want to do it. Right. Look, that offense, it's, you know, they want to get guys in space, and they want to make the defense have to stretch out horizontally as well as vertically. So it'll be real interesting to see where it goes there. Um a couple of things uh, I do want to get back. Get, I want to get back. Got some some NFL notes as well, and we've got address some, which is going to be the two stories right now. The biggest one is that I think is imminent. Well, is Julio Jones? I think a deal is going to get done this week, but then Aaron Rodgers. But I do want to uh, answer and and before we get too far away, and we'll put maybe baseball to bed. Jeff asked about uh, my thoughts on who's going to replace Paul Maneri, and you you kind of step in here on what you you think on it. There are a couple of things, and look, I, I'm not um, uh, overly involved. I'm not involved at all, and I haven't really. Uh, the guy, I think there, there's going to be an interesting dichotomy here. Scott Woodard is a swing for the fence type of guy. Now, I don't know that there's a Kim Mulkey type of fit um, for LSU. Um, meaning, you know one of the top folks that happens to be from Louisiana that's, you know, won three national titles, etc. So I don't know. Skip Bertman's going to certainly want to have his, you know, his voice heard, and and it will be. I don't know what Scott's going to do on the hire. I I think the guy from East Carolina is certainly a strong candidate. Cliff Godwin is is somebody that has a background uh, at the school. I'm with Paul. I think that's probably what Paul would like. I don't know that Paul is going to – Paul doesn't have that – I don't think anybody's going to name him other than Scott, and Scott's going to have to be comfortable. I've heard the Louisville coach, Dan McDonald, um, the guy from TCU, Schlesinagel, whatever his name is, has, had, has been mentioned. Um, the TCU uh, – excuse me, the Texas Tech head coach, 
Um, Kevin O'Sullivan has denied an interest at Florida. I don't know. I, I still think that in terms of the job, there's very few places from what I can tell. Now, again, I don't study it. I'm not, But I don't know that there's many places that emphasize baseball more than LSU. You know, a lot of people now have stadiums and whatnot, but the passion and you don't have to, you don't have to get, you don't have to encourage people to come out anymore. It's like, you know, it, 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 they're there. I mean, that, that's a that's a big belief. They actually start talking about pitching rotations and in in uh, <laughs> in February here. So I think that for a baseball coach still makes the job pretty attractive. Scott's not afraid to spend money. I don't think Tim Corbin's leaving Vanderbilt. I don't know if uh, Tony Vallello would leave Tennessee or is he going to hold out for Arkansas or what they're going to get. But I think it's going to be interesting because Skip's going to want somebody in his background and Paul kind of, that may overlap. And then if if Scott can't get one of the big fishes, it's probably going to be a guy like the Godwin guy or somebody like that. I know that the Mississippi State recruiting coordinator got the, the the guy that's done a good job there in recruiting Gotro, who Jake. played at Tulane. Yeah, eh, somebody. I, I don't. I don't think that's a that's a probably a B if not a C list candidate on the list. Uh, I'm curious to see. I don't know that. I haven't really heard his name at all associated by LSU. But what do you what do you think about Mike Bianco? You think. Uh, you think that would be somebody LSU'd be interested in, or you think they'd have other guys higher on their list, or or what? Yeah, I think the Bianco to LSU thing has sailed. Uh, there, there was probably a day back in, I guess, when they hired Paul Maneri, when mm-hmm. Mike was probably a candidate, and uh, if that were going to happen, that would have happened. Mike's been at Ole Miss now for 21 years. It, that's, that's amazing, because I remember him as a player. <laughs> it don't seem like it's yeah. been 20 years since he's played baseball. So it's kind of hard. Damn. It's kind of hard for me to imagine that that's the route LSU would go. I think I think they'll go with a younger guy. I agree with you about Tim Corbin at Vanderbilt. I think he's a little disgruntled a little bit, but I don't. I don't. I don't think he's leaving Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's the best job in the league because of the way the scholarship situation is. Uh, Kevin O'Sullivan at Florida is the name that I hear, and I said this on the Oxford Exxon podcast a little while ago. Look, Kevin O'Sullivan could make this rumor go away if he wanted it to go away. Mm-hmm. He makes $1.35 million at Florida. Uh, you could argue from a pure baseball standpoint that the Florida job's a better job than the LSU job because of players and because of all that stuff. But LSU's a better job. LSU's far more invested in it. Uh, you know, you can pack Alex Box, and it gets exciting, and it gets fun, and it matters to LSU. The one thing I hear consistently, and you're closer to it than I am, but you just sort of verified it, LSU wants to make a splash. They want to make a hire that makes people excited. They know they, they, they hired Kim Mulkey. It was a splashy hire. They know potentially what's coming in football, potentially what's coming in men's basketball, that it could get ugly. The headlines are already ugly. The penalties could come down behind it that make it ugly. They need to do some things to get people excited because they're going to have a storm that they're going to have to navigate here in the next couple of years probably. Um, Let me interrupt. Who would be the answer to the splash hire for LSU? I mean, who would be the splash hires? I mean, I'm going to I'm going to say Corbin would be. 
Yeah, Corbin would be a splash. O'Sullivan would be a splash. Uh, Jim Schlossnagel would be a splash. But Texas A&M wants him badly, too, so there's a bidding war there. Uh, listen, I think Tony Vitello at Tennessee would be a splash. Mm-hmm. Um, Vitello's interesting because he's he's a young guy. He spent a lot of time, I think, seven years at Arkansas with Dave Van Horn before he took the Tennessee job. Tennessee's now a national seed. I think they're headed to Omaha. It'd be difficult for me to imagine Tony Vitello turning down LSU or turning, I did. Yeah. Or turning down Texas A&M unless, and this is the unless, and this is a big word, unless he knew that the job at Arkansas was going to open soon. Because if the job at Arkansas opens in the next year, two years, he's the leading candidate there. He's got ties, um, you know, and, and given the whole scholarship situation the and, and the level of investment, the Arkansas jobs probably of those three jobs, Arkansas, LSU, and Texas A&M, as much as it probably pisses off LSU people to hear this, the Arkansas job probably, if you polled 100 coaches, the majority of them would tell you the Arkansas job is the best of those three jobs. Because of talk, the- talk a little bit about the what makes that Arkansas job better because of the scholarships. Yeah, so it's they've, they've invested the money in the facilities and all of that stuff, but they've got a border state program there that if you live in a state that borders Arkansas, think about that. That's Texas, Tennessee, Louisiana, Mississippi, Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri. So you're talking about uh, just metropolitan areas. You're talking about Houston, Dallas, St. Louis, Kansas City, Nashville, Memphis, um, New Orleans, Shreveport, um, Oklahoma City, Tulsa. It's a lot of baseball players. Mm -hmm. So a lot of baseball players make 24s, 25s, 26 ACTs. And starting at those numbers with a very moderate GPA, Arkansas waves. I think it starts at 60% of out-of-state tuition all the way up to 90% of out-of-state tuition for regular students. Well, they can also, because they do it for regular students, they can then do it for baseball players. And it allows them in a recruiting battle against an Ole Miss or a Mississippi State or an LSU or whoever, it allows them, so let's say the kid can get a 40% baseball scholarship. You have 11.7 scholarships in baseball. Mm Mm-hmm. So you get 40% of a baseball scholarship, and then on top of that, they waive 70% of out-of-state tuition. Well, that's significant. And so for a family over the over the course of a year, sure, that's a, another $11,000 uh, or, or $22,000 or whatever the number is. Um, it's a difference maker. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's how they've grown that university, but it, it is – and they did it for, for academic reasons. They did it to enhance their alumni base, to make it a, a more regional institution, but it has helped them in baseball. And it has certainly made that job very attractive because it enables you to really maximize your 11.7 in a way that other programs really can't. And just like, uh, and everybody's got their own thing, Vanderbilt, obviously Tim has a great situation because they're able to manipulate a lot in terms of getting not only a great education, but you get a lot of smart kids, and they're they're able to they're able to waive a lot of that. Now, just a lot like when Skip Berkman built the LSU program, the the big thing was the Tops program, yep. which you know really basically allowed 
for baseball players because it was very political and it was decided from a governmental standpoint. <laughs> this is this is where Skip was the genius, and he had the political clout or developed it and developed the right connections more though than being a great pitching coach. That was that is. So all of a sudden, a baseball player that was on uh, maybe a partial scholarship for baseball uh, could get his entire tuition paid for through tops or, or the rest of it. Or in some cases, there were guys that were on top scholarships that you could give full scholarships in baseball to maybe five or six players. So they were able to build that program largely due to that. Um, and you know, so but we're seeing others saying, hey, look, there's a way to make money. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see. So A&M, interesting to see. That that doesn't have a great history, although it's pretty good. Or, or, um, it, it'll be interesting to see what they go. So hopefully that answers your question. Uh, I don't have the definitive answer on, on Scott is going to want to go the big hire, and then if it doesn't hit with that, then look for if they have to go to that next group, it's going to be probably a Paul – skip connection that you know they're not going to name it but they're going to obviously have a lot give a lot of help to scott on where to go because obviously they're the baseball guys but scott's going to want to make the splash higher if he can i'll tell you this before we move off of baseball completely you mentioned cliff godwin i know cliff he's he was an assistant here for a long time cliff godwin's already turned down one sec job maybe two sec jobs who did who did i don't who did he turn down uh, I think, uh I think Cliff could have been the coach at Alabama. I think Cliff probably could have been the coach at Mississippi State. Here's the thing about Cliff. If Mike Bianco walked away today, Cliff Godwin's on the incredibly short list at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. And then here's the big one for Cliff. And the reason that you got to be – people assume, oh, yeah, he'll bolt from East Carolina. He's an East Carolina guy. He loves it. He desperately wants to take East Carolina to Omaha. And if – Tim Corbin walked away in the next couple of years. And I don't know whether Tim will or won't. But if he did, Cliff Godwin might be the short list at Vanderbilt. Interesting. Now, so, it'd be interesting to see. So you've got Cliff and you've got uh, Vitello, or as they're calling them, Tony Valls. Those are the guys that maybe stay put. Um, sounds like. Like uh, Cliff is more interested in staying put. It sounds like Tony is once out of Knoxville in the worst way because he is not excited about them building that stadium for in Knoxville downtown that is going to be for the, I don't know if it's single A or double A baseball team and in Tennessee. He wants his own deal. Um, but it's just a matter of was, does he want to wait for Arkansas if he gets that little whisper there. Kind of like, you know, um, uh, you know, just situations where somebody may say, go ahead and, and just, just hold on. We may have the job for you here. So be interesting. Little little college baseball coaching carousel. Be interesting to see. Certainly LSU, their, their fan base and their group, and certainly everyone's been impressed with what Scott Woodard's been able to do. Well, he's really only – the only real hire he's really had to make um, has been – uh, women's basketball, and obviously that kind of worked very well. And be interesting to see with baseball. Baseball, baseball means a lot to 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 the folks in Baton Rouge. So we'll see where it goes there. Now on to the NFL. Um, a couple of things. Um, Michael asked about 
Aaron Rodgers, and nothing's really changed on that. It's going to control a lot of the news cycle because the offseason workouts and he's not there. His receivers weren't there. Was that orchestrated or just, you know, uh, you've got obviously Brian Gutekunst, the general manager, obviously being told by Mark Murphy to say it. He's come out publicly yesterday and saying, I will not trade Aaron Rodgers this summer. So you, you come out, make a statement, which you know how when you make a statement, that is something that is either you're going to hold to it or you're going to have to say, well, what changed? Well, we, we had no plans of trading them, but we got this fantastic offer from fill in the blank. So we don't know where this is going to play out, but it's going to be the story because does Aaron continue to not show up when it becomes mandatory? Does he take the fines? Um, does, and and I, I, he's more inclined, based upon his history, he is hedged on enough to do it and take the fines. And assuming he's put his money up away to where he doesn't have to worry about anything, he'll do that. Or he'll show up. Or, you know, it, it's going to be the story much like is Brett Favre coming back or not coming back? Will Aaron Rodgers show up, not show up? Will he be traded, won't be traded? If he's going to be traded, who's going to be traded to? It's going to be the storyline that won't go away, that you're going to be sick of. Um, that's where it is right now, nothing new. What do you think happens in the end? Does Brett, Brett Favre, does Aaron Rodgers get under center September, though, whatever that is, 9th, 10th, 11th, whenever it is the season opens? Is, is Aaron Rodgers under center for the Green Bay Packers? My guess is I, I would say no, and it's just a guess. What's really intriguing, though, about it is he says he's done, and he's not playing for them anymore. The Packers say, we're not trading him. Well, something's got to give. Now, they don't have to trade him. He can, they can force him to retire. Do they do that? That's, do they force him to retire? And that's fine, but here's the thing, Chris. I'm not to interrupt you, but if you force him to retire, great. You win some, you win some battle with him, and maybe you stop him from making some money. But that doesn't do a damn thing for your franchise. No, it. But it's posturing. You know, it's a lot of posturing of you know get him to come in. What we don't know is we know it's not good. <laughs> we can make that assumption. Where is that relationship? It, it can it be repaired? Doesn't sound like it. That's the key, you know. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not not involved in the conversation. So, is that something you can flip around? Uh, is it too far gone? Is it just a stance we're not trading them? So, if you think you're you think you're going to back us in a hole like you know Julio Jones and and did with Atlanta and more on him in a second. Um, no, 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 we're not trading them. That's uh, the stance, in my opinion, answer your question. I think that's the stance that they're going to fleece. Well, I'd say fleece somebody. They're going to get a boatload for him this summer, yeah. and they're going to move on. I mean, I think that's what – I think the only other option is they repair this relationship that seems irreparable at this point. I, I, you know, it's one of the two. I mean, they have to, they have to repair the relationship and he plays – and he has to, you know, swallow his pride and play. Well, I mean, does he retire? You know, and then they own his rights. And remember, they own his rights 
He doesn't play. They own his rights for the same amount of years left on his deal. So that means he he can't play anywhere else unless the Packers decide. And that's what the Packers are trying to do, get control of the situation. So I think he'll be traded. I don't know to whom, but it's going to be for an awful lot, and I think it's posturing right now. You say for an awful lot. That was my next question. What? Give me a <laughs> well rough idea of what a package for Aaron Rodgers looks like. And I realize that's hard to do when you're talking about just a hypothetical team, but just give me a rough idea of what do you think that looks like if it happens this summer. It starts with two first-round picks. Um, it, it, it depends upon the team. Now, you don't know the draft order next year. You, you, let's make some assumptions. Probably a team that's not very good that's rebuilding or not going to invest into him. So it's probably going to be a contender. So it's probably, make some assumptions, a pretty good team. So you have to figure that the pick you would get would be somewhere in the middle of the first round to later in the first round. So it starts with two, and it may be three, depending upon what players you might want from the team. So what is the team? What players could you get? Um, that's that's where it would start. And, I mean, I think there'd be some other things that would be maybe thrown in a little bit. Um, the cap situation is... Also a factor. You need to you need to have the ability to absorb what he's going to bring you. Like I think he's a long range answer. Long range, five six years. I mean, this guy can play five or six more years, and I think he wants to. So uh, I, 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 to me, I, I think that's where it starts. Quite frankly, um, and and again, the starting to. I have thought a little bit about it, but not a lot. And from a speculative standpoint, it really just depends upon the team. And I have to look into more of the contract of a certain player. But it's going to probably take a really good player and maybe a solid player and two number ones and maybe a, more than that, maybe a second or maybe a third one. Are there two teams, two or three teams you're watching? Denver comes to mind. Denver is one of them. Um, the Raiders. Um. Always, you know, don't count on John Gooden because there's not a quarterback he doesn't love. And why wouldn't you love Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Um, I would say that Denver is certainly the team that would, would interest him. It's a good roster. It's a much better roster than people know. And that's a quarterback away, and he'd love nothing more. Girlfriend or fiancé or wife, I'm not quite sure where he is, is from the Denver area, I think Boulder maybe, and she, she's from Colorado. I'm not sure that they would make some sense, but I do think there'd be a lot of teams that would be interested, so, including some people that would dump a pretty good quarterback that they have for him. I think that he's that type of guy. Ooh, who, well, I mean, I, I mean, no, no specific one, but think about who wouldn't. Let's start with who wouldn't make a trade for him. Okay. And, 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 you know, that's that's a short list. There's not a whole lot of people that – I mean, Kansas City's not making the move. I mean, Buffalo's not going to make the move. Tampa. Chargers probably not going to make a move. Um, uh, you know, so you, you, you start looking at it. Uh, there's some teams that would – you know, now, uh, he's not – they can trade him. It's uh, – but, you know, again, I think – where he would be a fit or where he'd want to go or where 
restructuring a deal if, if a team wanted to do that. that. That brings the player into the mix in terms of where he wants to go because he can restructure and not restructure. So, yeah, I think he's. I think it's all across the board. I mean, I really do. I think there's 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 not a whole lot of teams that wouldn't be wouldn't be interested. Um, the other big name in the in the news, Chris Julio Jones. You've referenced him a couple of times already. A lot of talk about Julio Jones headed to the Titans for a second round pick, and people say it could happen soon. That, that look, you you know more NFL in one minute than I know in a life, but it, it that seems to me like a great deal for the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, it would be look out for Seattle uh, as well. Uh, I think Tennessee is definitely in it. Um, I think they've got a good shot. I think it's probably going to happen this week, although don't know. It's not like there's any deadline or anything. But we we are. Uh, not only is the dead period over, but it's June 1st. In the NFL, what does June 1st mean? It means that if you... In the case of the Falcons and any team that would want to move a player, their cap hit can be spread out over two years. So it helps. And, by the way, the Falcons are up against it. The Falcons can't even sign their draft picks right now because they don't have enough room to do it. So they, um, they, and they've lost a lot of leverage. So it might be something that, uh, and, and, and you're going to be surprised out there. If somebody, one of you guys are going uh, to send me a question. Uh, why didn't the Falcons get more for Julio Jones? It won't be for what people think it's going to be. Because Julio Jones, the player, would command more than what Julio Jones' contract is going to command. And keep in mind, too, he's had some injuries. He's on the wrong side of 30. So you're getting a player, a, a contender, um, no doubt would, would want him, would make a difference. But what does he have left? I still think a good bit, but is he healthy enough? And you're going to have to absorb a, a lot of the cap um, issues or redo the deal. So those are, I think, I think Seattle and Tennessee, and I think there's somebody else that's going to be a surprise that's hanging around the chicken coop that's going to try to make a run at him here. Let's say Julio Jones goes to Tennessee. How much of a difference maker is that? He would join, obviously, of A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill. I mean, that's a, a, a team that offensively has been pretty good. Defense is what's held the, the Titans back last season. How much of a difference does Julio make at this point in his career? Oh, I think he makes a big difference in a place like Tennessee. I mean, I think it's a two-team race. Houston's obviously in a rebuilding mode and a tough situation, of course. Um, that's a that's another drama. By the way, haven't heard any Deshaun Watson talk lately. You can thank Aaron Rodgers for that. Uh, that's been the storyline. But I guess because we don't know what the heck on Deshaun Watson and the criminal investigation. That team's not real good. Jacksonville's rebuilding, as we know. It's Indianapolis. It's Tennessee, and it could very well make the difference. I mean, you got some stability at quarterback, although not great play at quarterback. You've got a quarterback you can win with in Tennessee. And then in Indianapolis, they hope they can revitalize Carson Wentz's career. Um, but I, I would say that he could be a factor, a factor in making a difference for Tennessee winning that division. They're pretty good without him. They're a contender without him. With them, I think it certainly helps them. So, does it put them a little bit higher? Um, look, they they have a problem, and they have to they have to get some help. Kansas City is still the, the the big, you know, 
snowball downhill running that you got to stop. And the difficulty with Tennessee against them in the AFC is you got to be able to score points. So, you know, a guy like Julio, perhaps with what they have, big receivers, perhaps they can play some ball control and convert, you know, very well in the red zone against a Kansas City, and maybe it would be would be a difference there. So, um, by the way, some other notes. Um, since we last spoke, the league has officially cut it down. Make, make a note of this. So the rosters could be cut down on August 17th to 85, from 90 to 85, and then 80 on August 24th, and then August 31st when we get down to 53. A couple of other notes. Uh, Joe Burrow's on progress right now, um, doing pretty well in the rehab talking to the folks there. And I'm also curious to see, it's not as big of a story, it's going to be a late-round pick, but Zach Ernst, I still think, has some good play in him. And I'm hearing a lot of Chargers talk with him as he's not going to be returning. So it's going to be interesting. It should be an interesting week. Um, so. I saw a report that Minnesota wished, or Minnesota was trying to trade up to get in position to take Justin Fields. Did is that something Minnesota is going to regret not getting up to number eleven, where they could have gotten Fields before the Bears did? Yeah, it might be. That's a that's a um, that's a team that right now, at the quarterback situation, is um, it limits them. Uh, and by the way, I mean it, it limits them. You start taking our previous take Aaron Rodgers out of the division. Boy, what a division, huh? You got the Bears with a young quarterback. You got Minnesota that's trying to work around and work. You got Detroit that's rebuilding, and you got Green Bay with Jordan Love. It's not the same. You talk about a, you talk about looking um, like a like a a very it might be NFC East look <laughs> like you're looking at just the average type. Thing. But I I think that anytime you're in a quarterback shopping mode, look they. They paid a ton of money for Kirk Cousins. And you can throw money at a problem, but not fix it. And and they didn't fix it. So they, they spent a lot of money on a guy that's just a an adequate quarterback, and they've not been able to fix it. And Minnesota's just kind of in, you know, playoff mode, can get there, but not good enough to advance. And... You know, nothing's changed with them right now. So I think it really depends upon how well um, that works out for Chicago. And you talk about a seminal moment. If that kid ends up becoming a really good player, he could save some people's jobs there in Chicago, and he could flip that division. Could you imagine, you know, and I, I get it, you know, Detroit, the Jericho, but you got golf and you take Rodgers out the division and you got Minnesota still trying to find a quarterback, and you got the Bears, and all of a sudden things look pretty good in the Windy City there for your Bears because they're the team that has the quarterback. Because right now, Aaron Rodgers makes the Packers competitive. They're in the NFC Championship game, you know, and a real threat to go to the Super Bowl, you know, with Aaron Rodgers. Without him, you're wondering if they can make the playoffs. There was a story in The Athletic, and I can't remember who wrote it. I'd love to give the uh, the writer credit. It was really well done. It was an inside, kind of inside baseball draft day story with the Bears about the way that they targeted Justin Fields, the way that they 
tried to keep that as quiet as they could. They were able to actually keep it fairly quiet until the, the end. And they actually did not make specific calls on fields or on draft picks until the morning of the draft. They waited until Thursday morning. Correct. They were so worried about it leaking out and mm-hmm. coming out what they were trying to do. And in, in an era where it's kind of hard to keep things super quiet, they kept that really quiet, really up until the minutes before the deal got done. Yeah, and it's a smart thing to do. Um, a, you, you have an idea, um, and, and you, you do want to get an idea, maybe, you know, who might be willing to move. But you that's the thing today is stuff will get out, and it certainly could could come to hurt. It's, it's a different world now. It, if you have to manipulate conversations, which is why I say at draft time to believe not what you hear, <laughs> and, and 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 always be the quiet ones or you know the ones you got to watch for because they're up to you know they're they're obviously working behind the scenes. So smart move. Look, I mean, give them a lot of credit. And 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 uh, Neil, I said this after the draft. Um, that may have bought that head coach and GM time because if there's signs that this kid could be the guy, even if it doesn't click all this year, man, all it is a flicker, and that's gonna that's gonna give that group another year at least, if not two. To, and then if, if if it gets better next year, then you got something, and then you're gonna stick with it as opposed to, well, we don't want to screw this up, bring in a new coach for the young guy, but if it's if it's a disaster around them. And, you know, then they will do it this year. I think this is a pivotal year, and and it it could be a pivotal future for the Bears. And maybe, again, depending on what happens in Green Bay, a a changing of the times. Yeah, it really could. The early reports out of Chicago about Fields are really positive. He's kind of been everything that they thought he would be in terms of just a guy in the building and that kind of thing. But, look, there's, there's a long way to go between that and becoming a successful NFL quarterback. I'll give them credit, and you and I talked about this when it happened. When you're an NFL franchise, you you, you can't be in, you can't be indecisive. You have to know who it is that you want, and then you have to figure out a way to go get him. And then if it doesn't work out, hey, everybody pays for it, right? But but you have to you you can't you can't dip your toe in the water. You don't you don't have time in the NFL to. Like a little kid in the pool, you know, he or she takes a couple steps in, takes a step back, a couple more steps in, maybe gets to knee high, then you get waist high and you got to adjust to that, and then you start contemplating what, no, no, in the NFL, you got to jump right in. You got to get all the way in, and, and, and maybe it's going to be too cold, maybe it'd be just right, but you have no choice but to find out because there is no time anymore. There's no. There's no three years to see if a quarterback's going to work. You you, you got to get at it. So you got to see some positives. Yep. You know, people were questioning, saying Josh Allen was a bust after one year in Buffalo. Uh, no, you know, give it time. Now, uh, one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. Um, so yeah, I think I think you need to see something with him. Other than maybe making a few plays, I think there's going to be. A lot of patience needed. I mean, I think in in terms of him being able to work this offense around him is going to be really, really pivotal, and, and it's going to be the key to Matt Nagy saving his job, certainly and probably his career. And um, what he's able to do here or not able to do here quickly is going to determine a lot. 
we got a couple of questions in the thread that I'll get to in just a second. First, I want to tell you that we're brought to you by Blue Sky. Blue Sky believes in being fast, fresh, and friendly through the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores. Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experience from services to products. Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh and always provide the freshest flavors of their brand name products and the best services available. They even bring in some of the newest products on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer experience. A smile can say it all in Blue Sky. They want to show their customers that they care about them and their shopping experience. They'll always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any one of their 48 store locations across the Southeast. And we're brought to you by Alpha Specialties, located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi. Alpha is your trailer-specific professional. If you want to haul it, they can call it. Alpha is the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail. It's the premium brand trailer, the highest quality utility, equipment, dump, and gooseneck trailers being built today. Fully primed, fully powder-coated, Load Trail trailers come with an industry-leading three-year warranty and two years of roadside assistance. Alpha also has Hallmark Cargo Trailers, one of the most quality cargo trailers on the market today. Perfect for hauling goods to markets and trips, <coughs> ATVs to deer camp, hauling race cars, and more. Alpha can even work with third parties to have game day trailers and concession trailers built just for you. And for podcast listeners, Alpha has spare tires and wheels starting at just $100. Full selection of trailer parts and accessories, hitches, winches, straps, and more. They also do all types of truck accessories. Listeners can get 10% off a yearly trailer service and inspection at Alpha's full-service shop where they can repair all types of trailers, concessions, horse, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, RV, and more. So give them a call, 601-932-9798, or check them out at alphaofms.com. And make sure you tell them you heard about Alpha on the NPW Digital Network podcast, which includes SEC football and beyond. All right, Chris, a couple of interesting questions here. One that I don't know anything about. Maybe you do. Uh, Jeffrey Parrott says, uh, thoughts on the bill Congress introduced that would allow college athletes to form unions and become employees. How would this affect college sports going forward if it passed? Yeah, um, it has been introduced. My first thought is, okay, unions and, you know, my belief is, and I've always believed this, that the college players, and not necessarily through a union, should be taken care of with injuries. I think their post-career, a lot of stuff that's maybe undergone there. Instead of the whole name, image, and likeness and pay them, I, I'd want to protect them. I, I'm a big believer that a college education opportunity is worth a lot, a lot more than apparently a lot of folks in the media don't even think that's even worthy of anything, but I, I do. Um, I think taking care of folks unionized there. I, I don't know how it would work. Okay, so now you're taxed. Uh, you're gonna have to deal with that. Um, you're, you know, now, now you're dealing with a whole different dynamic. Uh, that would, that would affect it tremendously, Jeff. Um, you know, it would, it would take the whole concept of college athletics and their employees and benefits and how you deal with it. I, it you couldn't change it anymore. I mean, it would be, it would be tremendous impact in terms of how you do it. It'd be completely different restructuring. I, I don't know. Uh, I guess you can make laws to fit whatever you want. I get the concept and ideas. I get the whole idea and I'm not against players getting, you know, fair, 
you, you know, uh, benefits. But I think I think we really need to be careful. We're going down a path where it is it is this this is college sports, and if we start treating it like you know a minor sports league, then the one thing that makes this country different is that other countries they don't have oh they have maybe a college sports they're like club teams but they're like amateur teams so it would be the state farm whatever you know i'm just using a you know a name of a company we we have that we we don't we don't have that we have the old miss rebels the lsu tigers the alabama you know whatever that is a connection that's just so deeply rooted if we become just strictly and we start to separate and we start to have the unions and and I just I think it it leads to more chaos down the road. So I I I think it's a potential mess personally. Well, I agree with you. Um, I've I've had this conversation with people in the past. I don't know how you make this work, and if you if they become employees, can you fire them? How does that work? Uh, I you mean, know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're employees. Do they pay taxes at that point? Well, of course they have to. I mean, you know, I mean, I, unless you're making rules, they don't have to pay. Because right now you don't. And I mean, is it like churches? I mean, what, I guess you can do whatever you want. What is it that they're trying to do? I mean, so what are the guardrails to this? Right. Not just we're going to do this, but, but how we're going to make this work. I, I don't have a clue, and I'm not excited to find out. I just think it's one of these things that it's 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 easy for people to talk about. It uh, often is revelatory of a, a lack of understanding of how uh, employment works. When I say employment, I don't mean me hiring you, Chris, to come do a job. I'm talking about employment taxes, employer tax, uh, all of those kinds of things. If you become an employee, if you unionize and you become a group of employees, well, now your scholarships or whatever it is that you're receiving, those are, someone has to pay taxes on that, either the employer or the employee or both. And so it becomes a complicated thing as you get into across the board in sports. And, and once again, if these were just businesses, and this is the part that I don't think anybody ever thinks about. If these were just businesses, like LSU, for example, let's take LSU. Hey, LSU, your athletics program is now a business. Okay? All right, well, we're going to play football. We make money in football. We're going to play men's basketball, but we're going to be careful with it because it doesn't make a ton of money, but it makes some money. And, you know, we'll play around with this baseball thing because we, at minimum, break even. Everything else is done right now, done, finished, close it up. Yeah, you ain't paying two and a half million dollars to a women's basketball coach. That's for damn sure. No, you're not going to get involved with volleyball. You're not going to. Of course not. You're not. But gonna, then you got Title Nine. You're gonna. Yep. You're gonna repeal that, or what? What, what are we going to do with that? And then if That's you do that, do you make the athletes pay their scholarship? So they're. So uh, you you know you're going to pay them. They're going to be a union, but you got to pay your scholarship money. You got to pay for your scholarship. You get paid. You have to pay your. I, I don't. I, you know, some of this stuff just doesn't doesn't make sense to me. I get a lot of questions every week about NIL, and and my answer is I don't know. 
And I think that's a fair answer. Like, how's this going to work? I don't know. What's it going to mean for a typical player? I don't know. What's it What's it going to – is it going to be a one-year deal that they sign with the sponsorship, or is it going to be a four-year deal? I don't know. It's all brand new, and, and we'll see. I mean, I, listen, it's something that uh, – Athletes have wanted for a while. Therefore, coaches got involved in it, advocating on the part of the athletes. They've got it. And now we, we find out starting, like in Mississippi, it starts in a month. A month from today, we go, the legislation goes into effect where they can cash in on their name, image, and likeness. And we'll start to find out what it does or does not mean in terms of, of uh, bottom line. I, I don't know the answer. All right, last question here, Chris, before we uh, wrap up for the day. Nola Jack says, which side of the ball – benefited most from no crowds because of COVID-19? Did that also help young quarterbacks? Did it affect college and NFL the same? It's funny that he says this. I was mowing my yard yesterday, and I was listening to um, Cubs Padres, and the Cubs announcers, Pat Hughes and and, uh, Ron Coomer, were talking about it was the first time that the Cubs had gone to 60% capacity, and there were 25,000 people at Wrigley yesterday, and he was talking about how the first time that the roar of the crowd was kind of noticeable, that it was part of the ambiance of a baseball game for the first time since 2019. Um, We're going to get back to 100%. Stadiums are going to get loud again. After a year of stadiums being kind of quiet, how how did that impact play on the field? Well, it certainly um, uh, affected the home team because the home team usually gets the, the quiet when, when they're on offense. So, it, it, But to your point, offensively, it had more of a positive impact for the offense because you're able to, in certainly crowded stadiums on the road, you're having to deal with changing the protections and maybe having to go to hand signals as opposed to being able to verbally do it. You didn't have that problem now. So you could verbally make the adjustments. It was a lot easier. I think it was the same for both because in college and the NFL, uh, to answer your question, because neither one had the crowds, um, you can hear things. You can hear things very easily, and you could make all of those adjustments. And so people say, well, you could hear them from the other side. Well, you could. That only affects instructions because if you sit there and you have a hot call, you know, blue might be the hot call. So everything after that, if you say red, and everything after that is is – is meaningless you know it's a dummy call so uh, definitely the offense for the quarterbacks and I think it did help quarterbacks overall uh, be able to do it young quarterbacks it definitely hurts it helps young quarterbacks better because they're not as experienced with hand signals and making those adjustments so uh, I, I don't I don't think there's any doubt that it did help the offensive side more and it's going to be an adjustment that they're going to have to make backwards to getting back to normal. Hey, you know, we're, we're going to have to go back to hand signals at times and whatnot. I'm just glad it's getting back. Um, yes, sir. It was fun to hear crowds yesterday. Javi Baez hit a home run, and Wrigley sounded like Wrigley for the first time in about two years. It's kind of cool. Um, all right, we'll wrap there. Thanks to everybody for being a part of the show, Grind, and Nola Jack, and Sip Reb, and LSU Talk, and Jeffrey Thank you guys. and others. And yeah, we do hear the cricket sound in the background. I'm not sure what that is. I don't know. I'm guessing it is a, uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But uh, first time either one of us have heard it. So we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out moving forward. But speaking of, we'll be with you on Friday for another edition of SEC football and beyond. For Chris Landry, I'm Neil McCready. Until then, have a great week, everybody. Talk to you then. Take care.